In the following live session recording, Monique Johnson, director of Thrive, First Baptist Church, Woodstock, Georgia, shares how to make sure those with special needs hear the story. Never underestimate what God can do in anyone's life, but especially in the heart and life of someone with special needs. In this session, the listener will learn ways to share the gospel with all children from a special needs champion. Let's join Monique now. All right, so as you said, I'm Monique. Um, I am going to share today about the accessible gospel. Before I do that, I want to explain to you why I have this tutu on, because I'm sure you got to the door and second guess if you should come in when you saw me with this tutu on. So, it is a part of what I'm going to teach you. It's about making what you're teaching visible. All right, we did wear this for our BBS theme, was the incredible race. And we had a lot of things with checkered, how the tutu played into that. I really can't explain, except for I'm a tutu kind of girl. And so last week at, um, where was Jonesboro, right with, at, with my session as it started that next morning, I, it was just the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's in it, it was a, it came to me as like this experiment. Okay, so what I decided to do when I got here was that I was going to put the tutu on right before this session began. I'm going to go out into the hallway. I'm going to walk through everybody. It's almost like having a visible special need. How will people encounter me? How will they engage? Will people speak to me? Will they ask me anything about why I'm wearing a tutu? So think about if I came to your church and I just walked in off the street with a tutu on. All right? How would the people there receive me? So now, twist that back a little bit, and if I walked in with a visible special need. So, this is some of the things I got, maybe. Here we go. So, one time, at least one, someone said, look at you. And then they just kept walking. Okay? Next time. Now, aren't you cute? I got that two times. Anybody ever seen this happen with individuals with special needs? That a lot of times people, when you don't know what to say, you at least say that they're cute. Right? All right, and then right outside this door, I forgot the gentleman's name, um, when I walked up, he, um, first he introduced himself, he was talking to you already, and then he said Bill, and then Bill said hello, I told him my name, and then he kind of backed up, because we were talking. And then I noticed something changed, and he stepped forward again, and he said, well, what do you do? And he wanted to know more about me, and more about the ministry. That's that second step, beyond fear. The tutu is kind of interesting, right? Same way it would be if someone had a visible special needs. Are you willing to take that extra step past what looks a little different? Okay? Now, that's just an addition to what we're going to talk about. Last night was a lot of fun. I do have that PowerPoint available for anyone who did not come to that one, but we talked a lot about this as well. Making sure those with special needs hear the story. We've talked a lot this week about the story, right? So, I want to tell you a little bit about me, and believe it or not, I embarrass my kids all the time. They were like, Mom, do not take the tutu. Okay? <laughs> they already knew I was, but they told me that. So, first of all, we go by the Johnson Five. My husband, AJ, we've been married about 17 years. Faith is our oldest on this side. She is 16. Um, right now, doing sign language online, we were just talking about that. I think it's because they have been so exposed to special needs ministry, and it has changed just their whole thoughts about what to do next with their gifts and their talents. Then we have Hope, who's 14. 
we have AJ the second or Anthony the second who's 12. So you heard me, 12, 14, 16. Sounds busy, right? Very busy. On top of that, guess what this brilliant lady decided to do? Homeschool, two of them. I am homeschooling Anthony and Hope, seventh and ninth grade. Back to the special needs part, I realized the school that they were in, it, it's one of the largest middle schools in Georgia, it's about 2,000 students. Mm -hmm. And their class sizes are huge. Our babies just do not learn in that environment. They needed something smaller. We went to the homeschool interview and I was telling some of them last night, and when she first started telling me about the school, I got nervous because she was like, it's, we, this is the biggest ninth grade class we've had, and it's gonna be great to have you hope, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, we just tried to leave a big school, and she said, there are 20, and I thought, okay. <laughs> so homeschool thinking is a little different. 20 to them is big. And Anthony's, one of Anthony's classes, lit class, is four students. So anyway, that's a little bit about our family. And our two babies, Little Bear and Grizzly, are our plus two. Also, just to go back on what she said, so I've, I was a public school teacher for 16 years, not SPED certified, just to put you in on that. And um, after teaching for a while, I realized I love teaching. And I've always taught little people. So the way I teach, you're going to notice that, because you'll notice, don't worry. So, I taught public school for 16 years, teaching math, reading, science, all those things, but I could not tell those sweet babies about Jesus. And so that's when things started to change in my mind about will I continue to this career. Long story short, I was hired onto First Baptist Woodstock over kindergarten, first and second, and special needs was slid under there. It had been there since 1993 by a parent who happened to be a special needs teacher. She needed something for her son, and for years she just got burned out. She served every single Sunday taking care of her son and a few other people, some volunteers coming and going. At that point, I don't think I shared this last night because someone mentioned about us being a mega church. At that point, budget dollars were not going into that ministry. That ministry was in one room, probably about the size of this with several different ages all in that one room, okay? So for years that happened until night to shine. And also, as I was going through that year of elementary and in that department, things just started to come up. Parents started to not be happy about the things that their students were experiencing, about how or what someone said to their student. And my director would say, Mommy, none of this happened until you started. Hmm? What is, what's going on? But it was God, he was at work. And so fast forward, we get to the first year of Night to Shine. Um, our pastor happens to have a granddaughter who has CP. But even that, guys, I've realized it's one thing for you to live with someone you love and care about that's a part of your family. It's another thing to get to know others. Because they're probably not the same as that one person you've gotten comfortable with. So it makes it hard sometimes for you to work with other people and they're totally different, right? So anyway, our pastor's heart was open. We poured in a lot of money to uh, the suite. We're actually in the suite, so we moved from one room, years of being in one room, years of being in two rooms, to now we have five different rooms in our suite. Our suite um, encompasses a Bible room, um, an art room, a relaxed room, a music room, and a play room. Okay? We're going to talk a little bit about, and every time someone comes to tour, no matter the size of their church, when they walk in, I say, okay, it's big. The walls are beautiful. They're blue and green. None of this matters if your heart's not in the right place. I don't care if you have a desk for your ministry. One desk. If your heart is in the right place for what God has called you to do as it relates to those with special needs, then you can do miraculous things. It doesn't matter the size of the space. 
So I always encourage people that when they come into our space. So we're just going to jump right in and we're going to do two words. We're going to do three words here. Okay. Now I just met someone. We're working on ASL. So he's going to help me with something in a moment. Now I have my general signs for these words. I love to move and do um, motions when I teach because a lot of our students um, learn that way. And I want to encourage you as leaders to never lose that. We're going to talk about that. Even though society and school-wise thinks it's older, when kids get older, this is crazy to me, that ratios doesn't matter, classes can get bigger, and that you need to just lecture. We are all visual creatures. Always remember those things when you're teaching. Make people get into the lesson. They need to see it, feel it, hear it, right? So we're going to look at these three things. Here is how I do it. How would you do it? If you were doing here, just point to your ear. See, that's how I do it. And follow. Follow. So this is how I do it. So I add just one more part to that. So we are going to hear. I touch both of my ears. See, follow. Because I want you to move. All right? You can't just sit there. You ready? Ready? Alright. You don't have to get up if you want, but I can see you're ready back here. <laughs> here. You gotta say it. Here. here. See. And I want you to follow. Okay? Ready? Here we go. One more time. Here. See. Follow. Alright? Now, these are going to lead our discussion. As I shared last night, and they are probably going to be ready for this, I cannot teach anything apart from God. And what he's taught me is that whenever I'm teaching, no matter what the subject, I have to bring it from the word. Okay? So we are going to use Mark 10. You don't have to try to read that. I just wanted you to know this is where it's coming from, and I'm going to read it to you. Mark 10, 46 through 51. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd. This has really spoke to me because when we were, the verses I used last night about them um, lowering him, tearing the roof apart and lowering him down, it was a large crowd again. God is teaching me something here. I haven't got it totally yet. But here we are again with a large crowd. Alright? So with a large crowd, we're leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Okay? Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Okay, so what are our words? He heard that it was Jesus. He said to Jesus, he said, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. 
Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he reached, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. All right, now the second page you have there, let me get to my notes. Oh, wait a second, wait, 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 go back. Sorry, don't go, don't do it yet. Here we go, wait a minute, I forgot. All right, so here, I wanna, I wanna point out something before I go on. He was blind, but somehow he had heard about Jesus. Someone looked past his blindness to his need to know who Jesus was. Or, or just maybe, maybe he was in the right environment at the right time to hear others talking about Jesus. Maybe. Now, I did a little research. So one commentary from, I used the blue letter Bible, George Whitefield. I love what he said. Though the eyes of his body were shut, yet the eyes of his mind, in some degree, was opened. As soon as he heard of him, he began to cry out, which, would, which he would not have done had he not heard of Jesus before. He also believed that Jesus could heal him and restore his sight because he never would have called out if he didn't know that. This is another part. Oh, one, one would have thought that such a moving petition as this would have melted the hearts of the crowd. So a lot of people who are hearing him call this out in compassion. Or they would have maybe helped carry him to Jesus. But instead, that we are told that many charged him. The word in the original seems to imply a charge attended. They threatened him, actually, is what this implies. They spoke to him angrily, in an angry manner. They charged him, and they may have even threatened to beat him. Okay, because they look upon they looked upon him beneath the notice of Jesus and were ready enough to ask whether he thought. Basically, what it's saying they were thinking, "This is Jesus. How would he have time for you?" This is what this commentary said about John. I mean, about Mark ten forty six. I'm gonna have to move this. Hold on, because this is all sliding. Sorry. So again, there's a crowd. There's a lot of people. So a lot of people at your church. There's a crowd. There's one person walking through your ministry, maybe with a tutu on, <laughs> or maybe just that student who can't sit still, just moves around all the time. What does the crowd do in the presence of, when they see that student, what does the crowd do? I learned a lot from this verse. But before we go on, <clears throat> Any further, with the goal of making those with special needs hear the story, or making sure those with special needs hear the story, we must take a look at the five stages. Okay, so this is a review for some and new for others. The stage you are on as an individual and the stage your church is on can possibly slow down or even stop the story from being shared with those with special needs. Let's listen to these stages. Stage number one. Everybody have a sheet? Looks like this. Okay. Stage number one is ignorance. Listen, weaknesses and disabilities are a sign that God either does not care or is not able to fix the situation. In fact, they may be a result of sin or a lack of faith. God is not involved in the life of someone with a disability because he cannot use people who are so broken. Stage one. Your goal is to identify where you are as an individual. After that, 
to identify where your church is as a whole. Stage two, pity. I feel sorry for people with disabilities. It's too bad, really. I'm gonna move down a little bit. People with weaknesses and disability, disabilities obviously need someone like me to help them and give them meaning. They need me. Due to their troubles, I really don't see any meaning or purpose to their lives. Stage two. Stage three, care. Like me, people with disabilities were created in God's image. By that virtue alone, they have value. Sounds a little bit better, right? Next sentence. I hope that someone will take the time to show them God's love. So on that stage three, we see the importance of it, but what are we saying? We hope that someone else will do it. We hope that another church would do it or will do it. Stage four, friendship. I have come to know and spend time with a friend who has a disability. This person has value in God's sight, but also in mine. And I know that my life is better for having known this person. And as much as I've helped her, she has also blessed me. Relationship. You must have genuine opportunities to build relationships in order to move to stage four. But our ultimate goal is stage five, co-laborers. Listen to this. If God has called each of us to serve and praise him with every fiber of our beings, then he has done the same for our brothers and sisters in Christ with disabilities. I think ministry should not just be to people with disabilities, but with or alongside people with disabilities. When you go back to whatever ministry you are involved in with a stage five mindset, things are going to be a little bit different because you realize that everyone must hear the gospel because everyone has an assignment to be a co-laborer and to share the gospel. So that means when you go back, students who have special needs who may have been sit off into the corner a lot or they, you put a video in front of them just to keep them quiet or you give them something to play with or they never really experience the gospel, then you are going to think about it differently when you're at stage five. Now, here's a question. What stage do you think those who rebu rebuked him and told him to be quiet were on? What do you think? Those who told him to be quiet. Here, one. One, probably. Yeah. What about, what stage do you think whoever may have shared the story of Jesus with him was on? Maybe three. Good observation. Because that doesn't necessarily mean that they believe that he needed the story in order to go share it in his own way. They may have shared the story with him a lot of times just because this is what I'm supposed to do. Remember that stage that says, I hope, no, not that one. What's the one I'm thinking? Where they need me. People with disability, all the, no, not that one. Let me see. I know, hmm, where's the one I'm looking for? I can't remember exactly. Two, stage two. Is it two still? When you're feeling like they need you, you're the one that's empowering them. Now, you're not thinking of Christ at all in this. You're just thinking, I have so much to give, I have to share it. 
That's nothing wrong with that, but if you stay there, think about that, and you never equip them to do ministry, then are you really doing and believing that God has created us all for a unique purpose? If someone would have come to you and told you that because you are unable to hear, that you have no purpose in sharing Jesus, you may not be sitting here today. You've been around people who have invested in you, regardless of your abilities, right? And now you're going to go back as a partner, and you are going to go back and share the gospel as you, as you already have been doing. But what I told him earlier, I said, when you share the gospel, it's different from me. Because not only is he sharing the gospel, he's a living testimony of what God can do through any and every one of us who have the ability and want to do, right? Regardless of our abilities. I love to point this out. I'm going to just tell you. You all are pretty unique and special. All right? I know you're sitting here like, what do you mean? We all have special needs. We do. When you start to realize that about yourself, then you look at people differently. There's a couple of things I'm going to tell you about me that I've learned because of special needs ministry. Typically, I love to wear hats. I have about 20 to 30 of them. So I change them up all the time. When I started doing special needs ministry, I realized this is my comfort blanket. So when I'm nervous about speaking in front of people, I wear hats. A lot of times when I'm really nervous, I wear them really low. You know how children wear blankets and weight at best? Yeah, that's me. I am really funny about socks. I cannot wear socks. I can't wear long sleeves. And my children are pretty much like that too. Just a few things that are pretty unique about me. I'm asking her about really great restaurants to go to. And I pull out my phone, and I put in the zip code, and I have to check every score. I have to read through every score. Oh, wow, mm, they found something in the food, can't eat there. <laughs> Just little unique things about me that helps me to look at other people and think we're all unique. We're all differently gifted. If you think about each other like that, stage five is easy. There are some things about you you may not want to tell me right now, but I bet everybody in here has something, if you really think about it, that's pretty unique to you. Maybe somebody even told you that, right? But that's what equips us to do and to share ministry. So. We're going to go on, and we're going to talk about the here. We're going to talk about the see and the follow. But you have to realize stage five is your goal. So when we're talking about hearing, so here we had part of the verse said, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, son of David, have mercy on me. One of the things I want to encourage you, because we're talking about how to make the gospel accessible. This is very important. Align all of your videos, all of your music, everything that you're using with what you're teaching, the gospel. Bring it off the page. We have a very bad habit of choosing things that are entertaining versus that are teaching and going along with the ministry. I, come, I came into a situation um, when I took over the ministry or kind of moved into that where we had lots and lots of Disney videos. I'm talking so many Disney videos. I walked in there and I'm thinking, not that I'm not saying anything against Disney, but why do you have so many in this ministry? Why did you have so much? I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of these students are watching this at home. So why are they getting the same thing when they come to church? When I started to get rid of those videos, you would have thought I had gone against Jesus. 
Because people are like, wait a second, because that was their comfort blanket. Those entertained the students long enough mm -hmm. to let mom and dad skip off to service and to come back and the student was still sitting in that same place. But when you have a stage five mentality, would that work? No. Be very, go back and look. Pay attention to what is being done and said and spoken over these students. Are they being entertained or are they being trained for ministry? Okay? The next thing I want to encourage you on and that we do in our ministry, when I first started, we took one lesson and we did it the entire month. Because of the, so many of our students with their health, different things going on at home, they would come and go. So we wanted to have the goal of hiding the word of God in their hearts. They needed to hear it. No matter when they showed up that whole month, we would take that lesson and we would just build upon that same lesson the whole month. Now we're at doing two lessons a month. And we take those two lessons and we tie them together and we do it the entire month. I know that's different. How many people are a different week lesson kind of people? Lightweight, right? I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. But sometimes when they come back and they're hearing a different piece, especially when you're dealing with students who have special needs, it is very important that you're really looking at, are they getting it? Are they hearing the story? If they miss this Sunday, miss this Sunday, and they come back on the third Sunday, did they miss something? Did they miss all of what you were teaching? So for us, it has worked to do one to two lessons the entire month. And that may be revolutionizing some things. I don't want to cause you to... You know, people to boycott Sunday school. But it's just a different way of thinking. Unless you have teachers who are working really hard to tie all four of those lessons together and to show them how they're connected and to always review before they start, then maybe you can get away with that. The other thing that we do is we charge every volunteer. I told them last night we start with sixth graders. Okay, They have to be about 11 years old before they can come into the ministry to serve as buddies in our ministry. And we do a lot of training with them. But we charge them, because it's hard to get them to, I want you to go study this word. I want you to learn this story. I want you to learn. Some of them, they'll say, mm-hmm, but they're not doing it. But when we charge them, okay, all we need you to do is learn the verse. Because remember, we have the same verse for the whole month. Learn this verse, and every time you're with the student, you're going to say it, you sing it. You throw a ball, you have them fill in the words. Even if that student's nonverbal, if that student can't hear, you figure out a way to show them in pictures what the story is. And a lot of the things that's up here that we use, you'll see that we take the Word of God and we try to put it in a way that it's accessible to everyone. Okay? For instance, God gave instructions to Joshua for attacking the city. For six days, how many? You're verbal, you just said six. Okay? You're not verbal, or maybe you don't talk, you may have just did what? You may have just pointed to the six. You may have even pulled it off, and I had it, given it to you, and then I said, for how many days did Joshua, did he tell Joshua to go, Joshua and all of them to go around the city? Right? Okay? You have to make it accessible. But the cool thing about this is taking this lesson again, and how to get in their heart by doing it over and over again. Now, even if you've moved on, a buddy who's assigned to that student can take this now and review what we've been teaching one-on-one -on -one with that student, okay? So, you're going to charge your volunteers. We're talking about youth a lot of times, I'm talking all your volunteers. A lot of them just will not study the entire lesson, except for the teacher. They're thinking, the teacher's gonna do that and all I have to do is sit back here and assist. If they have that verse in their heart, 
they are going to assist that teacher in helping that student to catch it. Okay? So that's the hear part. Right? Now, I forgot to embed this. So I'm going to try something really quick. Let's see how it goes. Just in case. Hold on. The tech guy taught me last week how to do this.
And a lot of our students, I love them because they're fearless. So they'll be in the middle of Walmart with mom singing this out loud, right? And everybody's walking by like, what in the world? But they're singing John 3.16 out loud. See, that's so, why the VBS music is so important. Yes. Because it's the kids are listening to it in the car, at home, or yes. whatever. We wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning with it in our heads, yeah. you know. So it does have an impact. I love that he brought that up. That may be the only, okay, go back to what I said a moment ago about teaching your lesson for the whole month. What happens with BBS? We teach the same lesson for how long? All morning. All morning. You, and especially the music, right? It's pretty much the same music for that whole week. Now, how many of you cannot stop singing those songs after you've gone through BBS that whole week? It takes almost about a month or two to even get it out of your system, right? Well, yeah, longer than that. Longer than that. It, my nieces are still even singing it. Yes. Yes. This is what Sunday morning needs to be about. We gotta bring that same philosophy into that Sunday morning. Now I'm teaching about students with special needs, but honestly, this is beneficial to all students. If you can take some of those things that you're teaching, those key things, and you can repeat it throughout that entire month. I know a lot of times I'm gonna encourage you because I'm coming from public school, and I pray that the churches don't embrace this, but with public school, we're rushing to get to an objective. We're rushing to get to an end. And so we hurry. So in a church, hopefully you're not thinking, we got to get through this Bible by the end of the year. <laughs> but if they can't retain any of that, if they can't recall it, then you might want to slow down the speed of which, in which you're teaching. Think about that, because I know there's going to be some people upset with you if you come back and say, we're not teaching a different lesson. And I'm not saying that. You might need to teach them how to bring it all together, but not that every time the student walks in, they're hearing something different. Help them to tie it together. It's going to be very important. All right, let's talk about C. Bring the story off the page with pictures. I heard you saying something earlier about how you were really trying to illustrate the green grass and the blue sky. Bring it off with manipulatives, <laughs> videos, puppets, right? This is, you think about this a lot of times in children's ministry. What I'm trying to encourage you to think about is don't lose it as the students get older. If you notice, we start to take some of that stuff away when they get to middle school and they get to... There are certain aspects of the way God has equipped us to learn that you cannot remove, and especially with students with special needs. So when you learn those different developmental ages and those chronological ages, um, really quick, we have four groups within our ministry. We have one group called Sprouts, which is usually typically infants to about seven. I don't just look at age, I look at size and ability. Okay? So if I had a 22-year-old who could function in that group because they were smaller or because of how they learned, they might be in that Sprout group. Okay, so it depends on that too. So we have Sprouts, we have Evergreen. Evergreen is the elementary size students, age students, kind of chronologically, developmentally, they're in that same age group. Yellowwood are probably students who are about as tall as we are. They're usually ranging from anywhere to like middle school, high school students, all the way up to, I mean, we have people in that group who are 40s and 30s what in that Yellowwood again? group. Hmm? What, what was it called again? The groups? Yeah, well, the so th we, third one. Derwent Yellowwood. Yellowwood, thank you. So remember, our, our, um, I haven't shown you that yet, but our um, overall thing is Thrive, and it's a tree. So when I was thinking about the names of the groups, that's where it came from. Sprout, Evergreen, Yellowwood. Okay, so Yellowwood is also usually a lot of our students who are in wheelchairs and who need a lot, a lot of one-on-one -on -one, um, um, involvement with buddies and stuff like that. Our last group is called Mighty Oaks. Mighty Oak is what you hear people say all the time, and I do this because I don't necessarily like the terms, but it's called where you hear people say high functioning, right? Because I don't believe in low functioning. 
in a sense. So I don't really use that to describe people. But you'll hear this group um, is made up of all ages. Most of these students can read. Most of the students, um, all of the students, we they serve on the hospitality team. That's what they do before they go out. They go to the hospitality, they serve, they greet, they open doors. We train them to be a part of our suite, to be helpers in the room. They go to um, worship. They come back to the suite for different things. So they're very much able to go out and do various things, pretty much on their own with, or with very little supervision. Okay. So usually there's not as many buddies in that group. So that's just how that's broken down. So I said that to say, when I was talking about um, how you bring things out and the manipulatives and things like that, that it is in, it's important that even with all of those different age groups, when it was time to do the incredible race, uh, my associate and I made a point to bring that whole concept off the page literally by wearing a lot of the race things. So we had a different outfit, and the funny part is she's not like me. She just says, okay, if you want to do it, I'll do it. And she follows along with me. So one day, we had on the checkered leggings with the tutu, and we actually, just so happened, we have the same last name, and Johnson. So we have these race shirts I got them made, and on the back it says Team Johnson. So I should have brought a picture. But uh, so it's so funny, and she's so quiet, so it's so funny, you, you'd have to meet her. And um, so she's walking around with me, and we're, we're actually living, breathing the theme. Think about that, visually. You know, and the incredible race was through Answers in Genesis, we'll talk about that with curriculum in a moment. And uh, it was so cool to see how students and people responded to that, because visually, you, you bring what you're learning off the page. Anybody have any teachers that like to dress up? in their ministry. Any of you all have um, where someone who loves to do props and brings things out to, for the kids to touch and to feel. Those are some great people to have in that ministry. Then one other day we had on green and our green Thrive shirt so we brought that off the page. Um, the other thing is choose a curriculum level that provides lots of visual resources. Believe it or not, so our youngest student is three. Okay, Our oldest student used to be 71. Miss Becky passed away. So we, our student now is 58. So we have three all the way to 58. Believe it or not, we use pre-K curriculum. Let me tell you why. I personally, as a teacher, going through a lot of curriculum over the years, I think it's easier to start with the curriculum here and build up. You'll go to a lot of ministries that they'll say start at the elementary level and then you kind of modify down. I think it's easier because, see, what happens in preschool curriculum is the visuals. That's what's different. A lot of the preschool curriculum is going to have videos. They're going to have different things. So even with Lifeway, and by the way, all this, if, depending on what curriculum you use, all this is free stuff that you can take when you leave if you want to compare curriculums or you just want to look at what other things are out there. But one of the things um, about Lifeway, anybody uses um, Bible Study for Life? Did anybody know that there's a whole curriculum called Special Buddies? Okay, so these are free. This is a teacher, this is the um, kids activity page, and then this is the Special Buddies, this is the kids leader guide. Actually, the gentleman who opened the first night, I just met him, I forgot his name, his wife, I met them, um, the one that did the whole group. His, he works directly with Lifeway on stuff like this, so he brought us these things for me to give out to you. But Special Buddies is one of those things that take the, they take the overall curriculum and then they give you ideas of how to modify, how to change it, how to accommodate different things and different levels. The thing about using pre-K, so this one we use kindergarten, we did go up to kindergarten, and this one right here is threes to pre-K. 
So remember, we're teaching 58-year-olds in some cases, depending on where he is developmentally. But one of the things I've learned that when you visually stimulate, when you bring that, just like that video, when you bring the curriculum to life, you, you'll get a lot of that when you do the pre-K level, kindergarten level, maybe first and second sometimes. Um, what we use also, oh, it's over there, that purple book. Can you hand me that book right there? See what else? Over here, so I'll give you, these are also free. And I know that I'm in a, I'm a little nervous because I know I'm around a lot of LifeWay people. Okay, so in, um, with BBS, we, we moved away from LifeWay. I'm not sure why. I usually follow, this is another thing. I follow what the entire church is doing on purpose. So I keep in contact specifically with preschool and elementary. So they started to use Answers in Genesis for VBS. So guess what we're going to use? Answers in Genesis for VBS because we want our students to be connected the same way all the other students are. And so in this, just our big books, again, this is pre-primer, I think. Oh, pre-K to first. So everything is visual. If you had a fifth grade to sixth grade book, would you have all these pictures in here? No. A lot of LifeWay people have been asking me, I need you to talk to me about curriculum. I have some good ideas for them. Because I think they start to lose the sense of that students don't learn with all these pictures once they get older, and that's not true. So one of the things that we now use with Answers in Genesis, this is actually um, the books that we print for our leaders. Um, so they also you can take one of these if you want to just look. I'm not saying your boy, you're leaving LifeWay. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is very wise to know what's out there. Because there is not anything that I found that really, really meet the needs of so many different levels when you're dealing with special needs. I, anybody found a curriculum that, I mean, special buddies is probably the only thing that I've seen that LifeWay has come close to really giving you something to try to use. But there is not a lot of curriculum out there that you don't have to take and try to modify it and try to change it and add pictures to it, things like that. So these are things that you can look at. These are things that give you different ideas of what's out there. All right, so we're talking about seeing it. We're talking about being visual. Monique, yes. Can I ask you a question? Yes. So with the curriculum, can you utilize in some of the schools that are special needs schools that could be adapted with like some of the other curriculums you have? Mm -hmm. The biblical um, doctrines, can you utilize that to, to bring both of that in? You're saying in the school system? I'm asking. I don't know the curriculum that is used in the school system. The only thing that I've ever seen, um, and that gave me a little bit of hope, but then it started to go away, okay. is when you hear them talk about character education. That's about as close as they get to spirituality and education. Anybody in here, teachers, or used to teach, and you know how you have those, anybody remember having those character words of the week? If not, you may have heard it from your children or grandkids or whoever. But that's about as close as you get to it in public school, is they start to teach character. So I know um, there's a after-school program, I'm not going to the name of it, that one of my friends from the church that she's involved in, and they let her come in to do character education. So you're teaching things like, you know, being kind to others, um, which for us, all of that comes from the example Jesus gives us, right? But you're teaching those different things through character. Now, specifically going in and they know that you're teaching the Word of God, probably not. Is that kind of what you're asking? Kind of. Because I think you, if you're looking at getting into involved, maybe, is that what you're thinking, into something school-wise, or you're just, just wondering what's out there? Yeah, I'm just wondering because um, knowing LifeWay, that's 
that's a resource that mm -hmm. we have, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering the other resources, and so. Yeah, I know. As far as I know, curriculum-wise, Lifeway is probably about the closest. We've used Answers in Genesis. Um, the cool thing about Lifeway, too, and again, this is all for you to take and look at. Um, I'm actually, when I first started, I used to talk to a gentleman from Lifeway a lot because I could not figure out anything that would work. Because just to tell you a little bit again, um, and I'm going to show you how to do it outside of what we have, but because of how our suite is set up, I need a curriculum that can do the Bible room, then flow into the art room, then flow into the music room, then flow into play. All right. So the curriculum had to have a lot of components to be able to flow that way. So I went through several of their things to try to find something that would work. All right, you are welcome to take any of these things. They are yours. That way you can go test it out, look at it, think about, you know, how does it fit, does it fit? Because most churches I've found are really bought into a particular type of curriculum. And it's kind of hard, unless everybody's changing, to move outside of that. So I'm not encouraging that. What I'm encouraging you is to know what's out there. And to know that if anything ever came up, if a discussion ever came up, especially since this ministry is unique, then maybe they might be open to you using something a little bit different. So you want to know what's out there. So when you're thinking about curriculum, first of all, I want you to think about most parents, most of our parents, honestly, I never sent anything home that they would see where it said pre-K on it. Just to let you know that. That's honest. Being honest right now. Because if I had a student who was 20, 30, I never sent anything home that said pre-K. All right? Now, if the parent asked me, I would be honest and tell them. A lot of things that we send home is usually verse-based, you know, the verse. That's another thing I love, the wording of the verse. Because a lot of times, it depends on what you're studying. Not that I want the verse totally changed, but they choose to word it and to give them smaller pieces of it versus a whole paragraph at one time once you move to middle school, high school curriculum. That's a good thing for hiding that word in their heart and really exposing them and making the gospel accessible. Okay? Just want to make sure I got all that. So... Use visual cues. Let me show you. Let's see. Well, that's this. That's some of these books right here. Visual cues to represent the gospel. Actually, I joke about this, but one of the um, speech therapists who I showed last night, Lindsay was the first one on that video, she actually will take our stories and she will go back and make these. I always laugh because she's still in the school system. And I don't know if we're violating scripture and law that she's making these for us at her school and we're not paying her for it. So well, prayerfully, prayerfully. That's an example right there. Yes. Like that because when I, I substitute teach as mm -hmm. well. And years ago, I would only do special needs classes. Mm -hmm. And that's what they do. So these are board maker. Right. Board maker is something that you can right. purchase as a church. But we have her as a resource now that she does it at work. She makes it for us. And so, yeah, we probably need to pray about that because we may not be doing that right. But she supports <laughs> us in that way. I think what I'm going to end up investing in is just having board maker myself and then having her kind of help us with that. But board maker is so unique in that they have pictures for everything. Um, did I bring a picture card? Oh, maybe I should have brought that. Let's see. Um, I'll just show you this one. For instance, this is one that's used in the music room. Okay? So if they're telling you something about what they want to use, we have pictures for every single thing that we have in the music room. And, this and in is, a special needs class, they would 
typically use something like that for a behavior mod. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned, even students who are verbal, even students who are verbal that sometimes cannot articulate what they're thinking would use this. Also, you notice here, that's not necessarily specific to the music room, but that way I can communicate at any time that I need to go to the restroom. So anything that you can do for visual is going, that, that will help your students bring to life what, they're, what you're trying to teach them. This is something I think Lindsay made as well. And so we encourage people to wear it. And on here in general, it has pictures for listen, stop, and even though you're using words, even though that's a student who can hear and all that, I, we use them anyway because it reinforces what you're saying. Quiet, sit, nice hands, stay in line, look, look, right? So, visual cues, picture schedules. Knowing what to expect next is very important. Now, I also, God has just blessed um, us in general with bringing so many gifted and talent pe talented people. So I had an intern for a little while who happened to be a music therapist. And one of the things that she encouraged us, because I'm used to using bright colors. If you ever come, you'll see our spaces. There's colors. Now, I don't go into reds and oranges. You don't use those colors because they stimulate different things in the brain. But she taught us that putting it on a black background with a white really visually catches your attention. Okay, and so what this is for is just so that a student, any student, I'm teaching tomorrow actually in the elementary ministry about how important it is for them to use picture schedules. Any student can benefit from a picture schedule, a visual schedule, making sure they know what's next. This is the same way you can lay this out for a story that you're teaching. You know, stories have parts. What happened first, right? What happened second? You can use these for that same thing. You're taking the gospel and you're making it, what's the word? Accessible. Whatever it takes to make it accessible. So this is another example of visual cue. All right. So here's some things that I found that I thought were very interesting and I love the way that it kind of captures the gospel with pictures, okay? And I love the way that if I needed to, I could take those pictures away from this board. So if I took this off, I, you know, if you notice, we use a lot of Velcro because for students, a lot of times, it's really good for them to be able to touch it and feel it and manipulate it, right? So if I took those pictures off or I made this card and put Velcro on it, then maybe they could put the pictures in order, right? Maybe they could tell the story, the gospel to someone if they just had this card and they were showing someone they knew the gospel using the pictures. So not only are you making the gospel accessible, you're equipping them to do ministry. Remember stage five way of thinking. You're giving them tools to do ministry. Same thing with this, having that bracelet on. Someone's gonna ask you, what is that for? What's that bracelet for? Now they may be able to simply tell them what the colors mean if they're not verbal. They may have the card with them. They may even give the card out. So again, you're not only making the gospel accessible for them to learn, but you're equipping them to do ministry. All right, so last one here of our three words is follow. God said, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Share the word of God with the purpose of salvation, discipleship, service. Actually, this is on our volunteer agreement. 
They have to initial next to this. That when they are in our ministry, this is their mindset. They have to always be ready to share the gospel, share that verse that they've learned with the purpose of salvation. Yes, students with special needs can be saved. Yes, students with special needs can be baptized. Yes. Now, will they be able to recall the gospel exactly the way your booklet says they need to? That they need to know this about sin, they need to know this about, maybe not, maybe it's a little different. We walk through these books that we have with all of our students. We do modify when we need to. But we are looking to understand and to know when God speaks to their heart, we want to be ready to help them to walk through that. Right? So, live out. Very simple, sounds simple. Live out before the students what it means to follow Jesus. If a student with special needs came to this conference and they are, say they're in the hallway, visual you can see visibly that there's a special needs. Maybe they don't stand still. Maybe they make sounds. Um, maybe they're talking really loud. I have several of our students who don't understand that. Um, older gentlemen, um, this is a funny story. They're sitting on the front row while the preacher's preaching. And they decide that they're going to have a conversation with each other. This is our older gentleman who's diagnosed with autism. And I think Michael is probably on the spectrum as well. So they're sitting next to each other having a, a conversation that's supposed to be quiet, but out loud. Right? Now at this point, everybody doesn't know who they are. So guess what happens? They call security. Okay. Right? Because this is uncomfortable. Someone's talking out loud in the midst of the preacher preaching. What is going on? And it's funny because someone, it was just God, someone happened to see what was going on and tapped them and said, they're in Thrive. They're a part of the Thrive ministry. And so everybody calmed. Right? I said all that to say the second part. Live out before the students what it means to follow Jesus. What are you living out in the presence of those students? So again, if they walked into this ministry, if I go down the hallway with this tutu on and no one ever acknowledges me, no one ever says good morning, all they say maybe is that you're cute, no one ever comes over and say, well, why do you have that on this morning? That, no. What experiences of Jesus are they having just in that encounter? Are we living out that Jesus do you think Jesus would, Jesus, first of all, there's so many stories in here of Jesus stopping. Remember, he stopped in the midst of everybody and what everybody was doing, looking over that man who's sitting there, who's blind, looking over him. And he says, call him, call him to me. Guess what God, oh, he just gave me this, it's so awesome. He was in the hallway, Jesus out here in the hallway, and that person's yelling out. And all of us Baptists are passing him. And Jesus says, call him. And not only that, he stops to have a personal conversation with him and to ask him, what do you need? Think about that for a moment. Are we living out before others what it means to follow Jesus? Because what that individual did is that after he received his sight, he didn't leave to go tell all of his friends. What did he do? He followed Jesus. One commentary was talking about there was so much that that individual experienced at that moment that changed his life forever. But instead of going to do something else, he decided to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now you've got to take that back to your own church and your ministry and you've got to think about that. What are those students, what are those students experiencing in their moving about your church? Are they seeing living demonstrations of Jesus? And is that causing them to want to follow him? 
or is it causing them to want to leave? Now, I sound like I'm, oh, I got it all together, but I can tell you, we've had several people who have left our church over the years because of how they encountered other people, other situations outside of that beautiful Thrive Suite. So my goal and what guys put on my heart to do is that that entire church is the environment. And that entire environment has to understand stage five. So okay, then what do I do? So there's a lot of training, there's relationship building, there's things that I'm doing because I don't want to follow anything that's not showing me genuine love and care. Why do I want to follow that? Why do I want to follow Jesus when you represent him and you're mean, and you're unkind, and all you do is sit me in a corner and tell me to color this paper while all those other kids over there are having so much fun doing, just in doing so many things that for some reason I can't do. Think about that. How are we teaching them to follow Jesus? And I guarantee it's because of what they see us doing. Make following Jesus accessible by sharing ways that those students can live out their faith no matter their ability. I shared an email yesterday that someone sent me um, where a student who's not very verbal, but he's learning to type. And so he typed up just what his experience had been. And at the end of that type, in the end of what he um, typed up, it said, I saw Jesus. Now, believe it or not, he may have saw something we didn't see, but I guarantee you a lot of that has to do with the people that's in that ministry. I can't wait to share this email with every single volunteer and our leaders, the whole church. Because when he says, I saw Jesus, was it because of the people who are in our ministry, the people who are in that church? So guess what that causes James to want to do? That's his name. He wants to also do what? Follow Jesus. Okay? So, Oh, we had a lady um, BB helped in VBS and she's a caregiver to a quadriplegic adult mm -hmm. and a lot of different issues or whatever and so during VBS uh, she's hearing the music mm. and she is responding so I, I saw that and so I went and got a CD mm. and gave it away well uh, two days later uh, the caregiver says to me, Bill, you just don't know what that CD has done for her. She is just like, mm. so it's scripture, obviously, yes. the word yes. come, going, you know, yes. but it was priceless. I mean, One of the other things, though, that he doesn't even realize, based on what I just said, he noticed her. There were more people in that sanctuary. There was a crowd. Remember, we keep talking about this. I told you, God keeps bringing it up. I haven't figured it all out yet. There was a crowd. He noticed. Not only did he notice, he went a step further to demonstrate Jesus. To demonstrate that by giving her that CD. So that not only, the CD is only a part of it. But when you notice something, I talked yesterday about going back and observing your environment, right? What's going on around you? Who is already in your environment where you see, like a lot of times people say behavior problems. Get that in your ministry in the children's LUC. You have those kids who have those behavior problems, right? So I want you to start observing that, how they're being treated. What's going on? What are they saying to the parents about this child? Because God is going to use what you've learned this week or this, this weekend.
to go back and change a lot of what's going on. But first, you need to observe and see what's there. Thank you for sharing that. All right, so tell me, hold on, what's my intern? Got it, okay. All right, so I'm gonna tell you about our team really quick because we've talked a lot about making the gospel accessible, but your team is so important. So who's sharing the gospel? Who's sharing it? First of all, whoever's sharing it has to, not only are they, our goal is to be on stage five, prayerfully they're moving at least out of those stages. Because how they share it is going to be determined about how they see that individual. Because you can have someone on that third stage of care, and they, they like me, people with disabilities were created in God's image. But that virtue alone, by that virtue alone, they have value. I hope that someone will take the time to show them God's love. So you have someone in your ministry who cares. Sounds good when you say care, right? That second part, though, is different because they don't see it as their job to share the gospel. So guess what that person might be doing on, on Sunday morning? Babysitting. There's a difference. That care is there, but they're not teaching them the gospel. So here's our team. This is how our teams are made up, and this is pretty much probably how you have it. Room leaders are typically just your Bible, your teachers who teach on Sunday. Because we have these various rooms, we have a leader per room, okay? And then we have a coach. So. Our coaches are typically SPED certified, OT, PTs, whoever. And just to let you know, they're there. They're sitting in your congregation. They just need to know what you're doing, what you're thinking. you got to figure out a way to get the message out to them that you need to talk to them. You need what they know. Now, some of them, I'm going to tell you, when they work Monday through Friday, they are not trying to sign up on Sunday to be with you all day. Mm -mm, no, they're not trying to do that. They're done by the time Friday comes. But so I approach them differently, I say. First of all, I, I love to say, you are so wise. Oh, my God, your gifts and your talents. I'm not lying because they truly have gifts and talents. They have been working day after day, years after year, year after year with students with special needs, right? They've gone through all this training. Some of them have multiple degrees. So I'll say, if you can't do every Sunday, this is what I need. I just need you to come train. I just need you to come work with volunteers. I want you to just come and just teach them what you know, okay? I like to also use them for... Um, Training emojis for coaches, that works differently because they're not working directly with the students. They're actually interacting with the buddies and they call the plays. So we have like a team philosophy. So the coaches are telling the buddies, because the buddies work one-on-one -on -one with the students, what the plays are, what the strategies are. Try this, try that. Our buddies have what we call buddy bags. And so the coach has helped. Because each buddy, and sometimes I shouldn't have two buddies. Anybody got to keep going back to yesterday? We have a first and third team and a second and fourth team. We do not ask people to serve every Sunday. That will burn them out. So what we do is our students might have one or two buddies, depending on when they come and what hour. The goal of the buddy is to learn the student enough to know what type of things to put in this bag. Because the buddy carries this bag to every room, right? So the coach has helped them to try to figure some different things out. This is one of my favorite. We can't use it in Bible, though, because it's a little loud. But for some students, this works great. And you put it on their back. And you put it in their hand. So this is in a buddy bag. Now, they have to know you can't use it all the time. It's a little loud. Okay? So what else? You know, different things, right? Fidget-type things. All these things are ready to be used in every room. Because remember, I'm going to show you something else. When you go into the Bible room, there are no toys. There's no Play-Doh, there's no markers, there's no crayons. Each room communicates a direct expectation. 
When you go into art, that's when you see all the art material. There are no balls, there are no cars, there's nothing to play with, okay? We save that for the playroom. So I'm gonna teach you how to accomplish that even within your buddy system that you have now or in your classroom. That's why you gotta build a relationship with teachers who your students are going to because you, a lot of those rooms guys are overstimulated and they're complaining about behavior and it has a lot to do with their classroom management. And that's what I'm teaching on Sunday in the elementary department. So I told you the room leader, coaches, and the buddy starts at sixth grade. We talked about that. The welcome team, your welcome team for us is in our suite. Your welcome team, also we have some people in the parking lot because that's my point. When they pull up on campus, who's welcoming them? Have you done any training and if you're new to what, this, what God is giving you is for special needs, you will have to do training. Hospitality team needs to understand how to interact with individuals with special needs. Because if not, I can tell you, a lot of our parents, when they first got there, people would literally move like this. Now, it's okay to move out of the way and let people down, but they wouldn't engage. They wouldn't say good morning. Um, the cool thing, really quick, just came to me, is my new associate was raised, her mother and father have been blind. They're blind. So at first, I was like, how is that? How is this possible? They raised you and your sister, and they one, I think mom saw until she was six. But dad has never been able to see, right? So um, meeting her, interviewing her, long story short, you know, I hired her. And then I was like, I have to go to their house. Because this is impossible in my brain. Listen to this. I'm in special needs ministry talking about it seems impossible for someone who's blind to raise children. So I go to their house. I learn all these things about these gadgets, all these different things. But one thing that happened with the welcome team is that her family moved closer, so now they go to our church. And when you talk to them, um, and I'm touchy-feely anyway, I've been pretty nice with you guys because y'all don't know me, but I, I like to hug, okay? And so I can tell people are a little uncomfortable, so I better not walk up and just hug people. So I can control it. But anyway, when you're talking to them, can I have your hand? You, usually you touch them. You grab their hand. Well, what we found was that some of the people on the hospitality team wouldn't touch them. And when they reached out, or when someone tried to reach out to match their hand, the hospitality person would pull back and actually walk off. So we had to go back, which was a good thing to notice, though. Don't take, don't take that for granted, because now I have a video that I've done that talks to the hospitality team about getting past that fear. But if we never would have had that situation, we never would have known that that welcome team and that those people, that that's, this family was experiencing that. We've already talked about looking at different curriculums, but I want you all to remember these four things. Everything that you teach, everything that's being taught, when you train, don't leave out these four components. I've given you today something visual. I've done auditory. We did some reading and writing because you have things in front of you. And kinesthetically, you remember you have to get up and do see, I mean hear, see, and follow. This should always be a part. So when you're looking at curriculums, when you're looking at that pre-K level, that elementary level, are these components there? Look for that. When you're thinking about Bible and all those things, all right, now I want to show you this. Let me see if I'm there. Did I skip it? All right, so here you notice that whether you have rooms or individual containers, I'm going to show you that, you want to make sure that whatever aspects you're doing, they have all these components. Now, we spread all these components out among different subject areas, Bible, art, relax, music, and play. All right? So, with classroom management, here we go. So, you have a room. So, you have one room. 
I'm gonna encourage you first of all do not have everything out at the same time it's over stimulating when I walk into a room and I don't know should I go color should I play should I go over here my brain starts to do this okay so what you want to learn to do now again we have a suite that kind of communicates this but as we go out to preschool and we go out to elementary as I talked about that last night I have to go before those students to prepare the environment if not we're gonna get a lot of meltdowns so I'm gonna be working with students and teachers who we've identified in preschool <laughs> and elementary of how to structure their room so when it's time for play you take play out when it's over you put it away okay and you should have some signals for that have something, either there's a song, transition song that you have. A lot of times we have this as elementary, preschool teachers and things like that in ministry. We have those little transition times. All right, it's time for circle time, but you didn't put anything away. How are you, how are you showing me that it's time for circle time? Okay, when it's time for Bible, it's time for circle time. Put the toys away and take all the Bibles out. You're clearly showing me your expectation. You're clearly showing me it's time for these things. So even though we're talking about um, mega churches and space and time, none of that matters if your environment is not conducive to learning. If your environment is conducive to chaos, then you're going to get chaos. Mm -hmm. Now I know you all have some of those teachers who've been teaching for 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And every wall's covered. Every color's out. Every verse that they taught for 20 or 30 years are on the wall. Anybody got Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Everything that they're expecting to do that Sunday morning is out. And these are probably the same teachers that's always coming to you about that behavior. This Johnny, he will not sit down. He won't do this. I'm telling you, you're going to have to work your way in nicely and try to help them understand classroom management. Try to help them. If, you, if it's not your strength, this is like my thing. I love classroom management. You have somebody around you who probably loves it that well. Probably teachers. Some, there's a lot of teachers who have this as one of their things. But you want to ease into those environments, especially if you're going to take students there and try to help them understand classroom management. Okay? And then we already talked about pictures, communicating through pictures. I'm going to show you a video, and we're going to stop here in a moment of how ministry, how gospel is in action. This is some things from Thrive. You're going to see some things about our space. One of the things I want to tell you though, and I'm going to say it again, and it doesn't matter how much, I was telling somebody else, some of the things that come with being in a big church is not always glorious. No, I don't have a budget where I can just spend and do everything I want to do. A lot of times I find more challenges because there's more people, there's a bigger crowd. Right? So I want you to see the video and see Thrive, but I want you to start thinking about how do I make the gospel, how do I, how is the gospel in action at my church, no matter the size, okay? So let's see if it'll play, and then we'll finish up. Thank you. 
I mean, it just leads us all to understand just how important it is for all of us to be recognized as children of God. No matter what we look like, no matter where we come from, He loves us all. And your goal is to be those who are standing in the forefront and proclaiming that we're all to be co-laborers. And when you proclaim that, you're going to change what is happening in the ministry as it relates to those with special needs. I want you to go back and observe, okay? Do it in a kind way, because I guarantee you, you're going to see some stuff after this. You're going to say, mm, they're not understanding co-laborer. But then you're going to slowly start to change that, right? By what you're saying and by how you live it out. Let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you so very much to gather, the ability to gather together to learn valuable, valuable things from your word, Father. I thank you that you give it to us from your word. Let nothing take away what has been sown today in the lives and the hearts of those who are sitting in this room. Lord, I pray that you will lift their arms, their eyes, their heart to see why you've equipped them to do what it is you call them to do. Help them go back, Lord God, with what he said earlier, with gentleness and meekness, but to be bold and to know that we're all called to share the gospel. We're all called to salvation, discipleship, and service. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.